temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard right here on 560 The Joe over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. You can always follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. On the way, I've got the goods for you. The Joe Rose Show took a little break, but they are back and they are better than ever talking with former Notre Dame quarterback, and former Cleveland Brown, I don't know if that rings as well as Notre Dame quarterback Brady Quinn about college football, pro football, and all the craziness that's going on with football. Dan Lebatard Show, they're still on vacation, but we go back into the vaults a little bit, talk about some Miami-Cleveland wars continuing. Then Hawk and Dono got some interesting food takes. We'll just leave it at that. Right now, got some interesting headlines for you. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have agreed to a 10-year extension that could be worth a total of $503 million. The deal includes a $140 million injury guarantee and no trade clause. ESPN's power ranking has the Heat at 8 going into the NBA restart. Miami opens against Denver August 1st. The Marlins start their shortened 60-game season in Philadelphia August 24th. The home opener is against Baltimore August 27th. Inter-Miami CF's Robbie Robinson has left the team due to personal reasons. Inter plays Orlando tomorrow at 8. NFLPA president J.C. Treader has blamed the league for not putting player safety at the forefront during the preseason. The 2020 season is still scheduled to begin in early September. Miami is on the short list of host cities for the 2026 Men's FIFA World Cup. In a very early poll, the Canes baseball team ranked 24th for the 2021 season. And now, let's step into the day spa. <sighs> After draining his lake, a Nebraska farmer found an ATM at its basin. Eh, could have been worse. Could have found Jimmy Hoffa. A 90-year-old woman in Russia was taped using her bare hands to smear human poop on a child's swing set. Bare hands? Yeah, she really showed them. After leaving a poop stain in a lady's bed, a man in Ireland recently flipped the sheets and tried to wash the stain out with beer, then made a quick getaway. He does not plan on pursuing a relationship with the bed owner. Eh, happens to the best of us. A truck driver in Australia recently fought off a highly venomous snake while driving 70 miles per hour. Great to know truckers still have that mentality of can't stop, won't stop. And luckily, he also didn't spill his pee jug while he was at it. 
Now on the weather. Tonight's forecast has a chance of rain with temperatures in the low 80s. This morning, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz, Hollywood got up and got in touch with a good Irish lad, Brady Quinn. What were they talking about? Well, will college football happen? If football is in the spring, does Trevor Lawrence even play? Will there be no NFL preseason? And what Tua needs to do this season? Brady, first off, thank you for the time. We appreciate it as always. Hope your family and everyone is safe and healthy and wearing masks and not going crazy and getting on viral videos. So we're And not right spilling now. wine at, ta- at the dinner table because some big idiot comes back up to talk. <laughs> yeah, can you explain that, that one, Brady? That, that, that is how impressive Joe Rose is. My, my wife didn't. <laughs> And she spilled a glass of wine while at dinner. We were lucky enough to see, uh, see old Joe and Kim. But she was just so taken back by, by, by Joe just being such a good-looking man. And, uh, she, you know, and at that point, I was concerned about the wine. I should have been more concerned about my, you know, Joe trying to take my wife with, with him. You're right about that good-looking wife of yours, Brady. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that right before we start. But, hey, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, got, we got a lot of stuff here going on. We were just talking about something that was kind of crazy. But spring college football. Could you see it happening? I could definitely see it happening, and I think it's probably more likely to happen for a college sport just because you've got that whole tie of student-athlete. And I think there's a lot of conflict, at least in the minds of athletic directors and school presidents who are saying, how can I not have students on campus but yet then tell and preach to my student-athletes that it's safe to be on campus? I would argue the opposite. I think especially you know when you look at where some of these kids are from and uh, they're them coming from humble backgrounds, you know you're not going to receive you know better care or better attention than when you're with your team, especially in a college sport. I mean, trust me, that's how I felt at Notre Dame. You know, I don't necessarily know if keeping them back away at home or keeping them away from campus is what's ultimately best for them, but um, that may be a decision that the presidents, athletic directors, conference commissioners, you know, may want to make and say it's too much of a conflict for us. We feel like we'd be being hypocrites if. We were really basically saying, look, these guys are student-athletes, but they're different, they're special. Well, now it sounds like they basically should be paid athletes, right? And so I think they don't want to necessarily go down that path yet. Could they Could they bring, you know, have football in spring? Sure. And I think if you look at what the Ivy League has already kind of announced and done, look, they, they were the first ones to cancel their conference tournament in basketball. Then everyone followed suit. They're the first ones that look like they're playing in the spring. Maybe everyone else is going to follow suit. Well, I just want, you know, me and Joe have been talking about this in Hollywood all morning long. If they do go spring ball and you are let's say Trevor Lawrence, do you play? At that point, do you play, even though your your team is probably going to be in the national championship game or very close to it in the playoffs in that final four, but you also are a couple months, and when I mean a couple, I mean two maybe, away from this NFL draft where you're maybe the number one pick and have 30 million bucks coming your way. Do you play? Does Brady Quinn play? Does he advise Trevor Lawrence to play in that situation? Yeah, I think that's honestly probably one of the conversations they're having right now. It's one of the reasons why I think it makes it so difficult to push football to the spring is it in the best interest of student athletes maybe in the short term but not the long term and so if you had to come down and make an individual decision i mean like i i think trevor lawrence would play uh i would probably go and play i mean hell i came back my senior year i, I could have left after my junior year so my opinion is going to be different than other other people but i would want the chance to go win a national championship i'd probably have a bad taste in my mouth from how things ended last year and, and i want a chance to prove to everyone why i should be the number one overall pick uh, and, and look i'm sure he's got an insurance policy and everything else to take care of it uh, of him in, in, in the event that he got injured uh, but still there's, there's definitely some risk involved and, and then going back to the conversation of how do you evaluate all these guys i mean the right. spring is when we have the combine pro days you know workouts 
they'd have to move back the draft. So I'm sure there's coordination between some of the Power Five commissioners, the NFL, everyone's kind of talking and, and trying to figure out how this could make it, you know, football work for everyone. Go back to the NFL game. I thought it was pretty interesting. The NFL says, hey, we're going to play two preseason games. The NFLPA says we'd prefer to play no preseason games and just show up and play. I, I get the health thing from the union, but I, especially with a team like the Dolphins got all these young guys and all these new guys. How do you go from practice to playing against the New England Patriots on the road in week one and look good? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I mean, look, they, they do in college football, though. You know, we, we get teams who, you know, have to play really tough week one games in college football with any of the preseason. That's, that, that's a concern at the college level. And I think if you're doing this out of an abundance of caution and not wanting to expose players to other players uh, before the games actually matter and count, I can see the point. But, but I am with you. I, I think teams that this year in particular that have a young roster, have a lot of changes either from a schematic standpoint or looking at their roster with a bunch of the new free agents or rookies, they're going to be behind the I mean, this could this could be a year where we see more or, or a, a big time lack of competition and parity than we've ever seen before, purely because of the situation that a lot of these teams are put in. Um, it, you know, it's going to be tough. It, it could be feel unfair at times, but we get football back, and even though the quality of it might not be what we're accustomed to early on, I still think by the middle end of the season, we're just going to be happy to have football. We're not going to be thinking about the quality of play. How does Tua catch up under the circumstances of no OTAs, no mini camps? How does he catch up and beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick? How does that take place? And no preseason. He's got to be having you know workouts right now, throwing with receivers, working with guys outside. I mean, what the things you see Tom Brady doing with the Tampa Bay Bucks, the things you see Russell Wilson doing, with, you know, out in Seattle. Those have to be the things that you're doing just to give yourself a sense of uh, a smoother transition once you do come back in, because you can rehearse and you can repeat and you can you know say out loud the play calls. But the second you get going in practice, you go through your warm-ups, you're doing your individual drills, then you got to sprint over and you're getting ready to start calling plays for an actual you know, seven-on-seven, whatever it is. That's when you're trying to catch your breath. You're, you're trying to remember exactly what the concept is and exactly the play call the coach just gave you. You know, And those are the moments that, no matter how hard you train for it outside of it, unless you're trying to practice and train the exact same way you're going to be asked to do in practice, it becomes hard. And then it becomes even harder than to translate that to the game and be able to do that. So that's the toughest thing for two is I really don't know – you know, a way that he can outside of just trying to get as many reps as humanly possible outside of all this and make it feel like a legit practice. That's why you see Tom Brady wearing a pair of shoulder pads and a helmet when he's out there working with these guys because he wants it to feel like practice for him. Isn't it weird or not weird that we're seeing the Tom Brady videos, a Drew Brees video, a Russell Wilson video of all these, you know, guys that are veteran quarterbacks played in the league for a long time. We see videos of them, but we don't see a Tua video. We don't see a Joe Burrow video or a Justin Herbert video or any of those type of videos is it weird that we're just seeing the veteran guys out there or do you think that maybe there just aren't videos of these other guys that are surfacing like with these three veterans yeah i think it's you know maybe just a difference in where these guys uh, are at in their careers you know maybe there's some apprehension about sending something out maybe they're more conscious of seeing what's going on right now and saying like i don't know that it sends the best message that you know we're not supposed to be practicing or at least that's the guidance of the nflpa and these guys are posting videos about it you know like they're not to that point yet you know i'm not sure if they're more conscious of it and maybe that plays a rule that plays a factor or if it just comes down to them maybe not feeling overly comfortable doing it quite yet because i do believe they're probably practicing to some degree probably even filming it for their own good you know if i'm to a i would be making sure that mechanically i'm being filmed every time i throw so that my hip 
with my recovery and everything's all in line with what I want to be doing from a fundamental standpoint, and I'm not maybe compensating because of the injury. So uh, I'm sure this video out there, maybe they're just better about hiding it because they're kind of younger. You know, they're, they're, I, I don't even know if they're considered millennials. Like, well, what is, what's that age group? Are they are they the one after a millennial? Then I'm, I'm not sure how young these guys are now. <laughs> I want to ask Patrick Mahomes hit the jackpot ten year uh, extension somewhere between 450 million and could be up to over 500 plus million. What were your thoughts on that contract? Did it surprise you? Or did you know this one was coming? Well, I think we knew the contract was coming. I think the structure of it's really surprising. I mean, uh, basically a 10 year extension under the two years he already had left. So you're talking about 12 years. The team now has has his rights, and and the interesting thing though is I, I think what Lee Steinberg did, his agent, to compensate for the length of all this is, is the way they, they put in the roster bonuses. And so you'll see a lot of articles talking about you know guaranteed mechanism. What they did was they put in big time bonuses in the off season. You know sometimes they say you know the fifth. Uh, day of the new league year, right? Well, the new league year starts in March, so five days after that, typically they put in these big roster bonuses to force teams to make a decision on to whether or not he's going to be on that roster. And so what his agent's saying is every single year throughout this contract for the most part, they've put in guarantees where Kansas City will be on the hook for that year for that amount of money in March once that mechanism kicks in. So it's a unique approach, one which makes sense for this sort of long-term type of deal. I personally thought the signing bonus would be bigger. Uh, I think he got $140 million, um, guaranteed for injury only, which which is great. You know, I think that's continuing to push that number up. But I, I was surprised that he didn't want a little bit of a shorter deal and maybe a bigger bite at the Apple. There's a lot of things that could change in the next four or five years with the gambling revenue and as um, the NFL, they now have a Nielsen's rating, which will be even higher than ever before because of bars, hotels, all these other places that can actually see how many people are watching these games so um I was, I was a bit surprised he wouldn't want another bite at the apple you know maybe four or five years down the road as opposed to being locked into now a 12-year deal i'm gonna say there's a lot of guys behind right. them going right. hey hallelujah man my payday's uh-huh. coming how big could it be for some of these other guys deshaun watson lamar jackson not too far away and guys like this and and uh, a guy in dallas yeah so i actually don't think they'll be as big because i don't know that any of these guys are going to agree to you know that length of a deal you know, I think Deshaun Watson's already talked about wanting a shorter deal. I mean, hell, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, their disagreement right now is one year. You know, Dak only wants you know, a four-year contract. Cowboys want a five. You're not going to see the top-end value get ever up to that, those numbers because you know, those guys won't be able to put together a contract that equates to that. So what you have to look at is the average annual salary and then see if it'll average out to you know, roughly $40 million per year or, or whatever that number is in, in Patrick Mahomes' contract. The hard thing is, is kind of speculative numbers because – when you sign a deal like Mahomes did, what he's become now is he's become the bank for the Kansas City Chiefs. Every time they've got, let's say, for example, Chris Jones, and they want to figure out how to you know, re-structure you know, another contract or pay someone else, they're going to come to Patrick Mahomes, and they're going to figure out a way of structuring the remaining years of his contract to include more guarantees, probably even more bonuses, to help them then create more cap space for those players. So you're not going to see that with Dak. You're definitely not going to see that with Lamar Jack. The way he runs around and plays yep. the game too risky. You can't be tied in for 10 years. So I don't know that we'll see another contract like this. Man, you're so good today. Plus, I got to talk about your wife just that wine all over, exploding, <laughs> that look on her face. Last That's time your was fault, Joe. That's all your fault, buddy. <laughs> Brady, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. May not have a lot of sports going on, but Brady Quinn, Joe Rose, Zach Krantz Hollywood, they are in mid-season form. Dan Lebitard's show they're on vacation for him, but they left us this nugget. And then the Miami fan making it sound like they're so excited. Oh, pipe down, please. One of the worst sports towns in the history of this country. Always has been. It always will be. Rats off a ship.
Game six. I mean, just repeated the same thing seven times as his truth, and it is the lamest way to argue with any adult saying, I am better at liking games than your city is. I like them more. Dan Levitard will defend our honor next on the Best of the Joe Show. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Happy birthday to Beatles drummer Ringo Starr, 80 years young today. Not really controversial, but I'll say Ringo, my least favorite Beatle. That's not really fair, though, because I love the Beatles like most people. Absolutely love them. But in the order of my favorite Beatles, it is George, John, Paul, then Ringo. But I like Ringo. Ringo's a cool dude. I love that he always saying peace and love, man. Peace and love. We can always use a little more of that, especially with the way things are these days. No peace and love for the Dan Levitard show. But I think you'll agree that there shouldn't be that much peace and love because there's a Miami-Cleveland war that is continuing on. Plus, Michael Holly on Cam's fit with the Pats and the New England area. I do want to get to this sound, though, because this is going to uh, make the shipping container crazy. Uh, Mad Dog Chris Russo, sort of the face and voice for annoying sports radio broadcasters past from the Mad Dog satellite channel. Uh, Here is Mad Dog just simply ripping Miami because I guess the nostalgia of uh, LeBron's decision made him crazy all over again a decade later. He reacted to this as a very old man in his 50s and so of course he's going to react to this as a very old man in his 60s. You know, he went to a city that puffed their chest out like it's a big sports town. Miami can't hold a candle to Cleveland as a sports town. That's a horrendous sports town. Everybody knows it. They were a rats off a ship in game six in 2013. That is one of the worst sports towns in America. And that's saying something. And there are a lot of bad sports towns. Atlanta ain't great either. But that is an horrendous sports town. And the fact that LeBron left Cleveland, one of the great sports towns in his country, to go do that little pep rally in Miami the day after he signed, that sat wrong with a lot of people. That was as big an issue about the whole LeBron thing as, you know, doing that dopey show was the fact that him, Wade, and Bosch talking about the amount of championships they're going to be, they're going to win, all that, that fake parade they did. That town stinks as a sports town. Cleveland is a good sports town. That's what bothered me as much as anything else. Took the easy way out, and then the Miami fan making it sound like they're so excited. Oh, pipe down, please. One of the worst sports towns in the history of this country. Always has been. It always will be. Rats off a ship. Game six. I mean, just repeated the same thing seven times as his truth. And it is the lamest way to argue with any adult saying, I am better at liking games than your city is. I like them more. I like them more. And why are we holding a candle to that? Can someone get me the origins of holding a candle? Why is it that Miami cannot hold a candle to Cleveland? Because I'd like to hold a candle to Cleveland and, you know, see what happens after that. I'd just like to hold a candle to Cleveland. Why are we viewing a life decision through the prism of what's the better sports town as opposed to what's the better town? He's saying out loud, man, I can't believe LeBron would leave a sports town like Cleveland to go to an admittedly bad sports town like Miami. I'm sorry. Is that the only thing that matters? Also, to him, to him, it is. 
All of this still feels slightly racist to me. What's his deal with Atlanta? I mean, he sideswiped Atlanta Ooh, out of nowhere, Atlanta's right? Bad. Atlanta's bad. Atlanta's bad. Yeah, okay, too. there it is. But in watching Dan, like, that was above all of this. From the Dan Gilbert letter to just us bad sports fans that are, like, always jet skiing and not deserving it. It just feels Okay, this is what like I, I will make the public admission, okay? I will do this as someone who is fiercely and proudly Miami. Chris Russo, you are better as a sports fan than I am because I'm too busy windsurfing, which I can't do in Cleveland. So Michael Holly is with us now on ESPN Radio. And by way of greeting, Michael, we haven't talked to you in a long time. I just want to play for you some sound from 98.5 The Sports Hub about Cam Newton from Felger and Mass. Uh, this is not surprising in any way. Boston seems to do a lot of this. And what we've been asking the last couple of days is uh, not only how's it going to go over to have a black man at quarterback for the Patriots, but how's it going to go over to have that black man at quarterback for the Patriots. And this is what you hear on Boston Sports Radio, I imagine, since you've been on Boston Sports Radio. How about culture? Like, even something as simple and seemingly innocuous as the dapping, the Superman, and all the, the, you know, all the celebrating and uh, showboating on the field. They don't want you doing that here. So Cam Newton has celebrated more than any player in the league maybe over the last decade. Think he'll be able to contain it? I think Bill's going to give him a little latitude on that one. That's what I think. I hope he doesn't. I like that about the Patriots. I like that they don't ride each other like ponies after touchdowns or whatever. I like that they don't waste our time. Yeah, I don't know. This guy's a different kind of cat, though. No dice. No dice on the Superman. I bet you they allow it, or I bet you put it this way. I, I should me off. I shouldn't say allow it because I'm not. I, I don't think Bill will quote unquote sign off on it. So wait a minute, he'll do it though. They won't let Dorsett ride Gronkowski like a pony. Gr- Rob Gronkowski, Hall of Famer, hugely important to multiple championships. He can't screw around, but Cam Newton can. He's the quarterback. Oh, fair. He's the quarterback. Ah, please. Gron- Gronk's a tight end. Don't tell me that. Shut I- up and block. I don't want that. Shut Sh- up and block. Shut up and take the next snap. So NBC Sports Boston host, Boston University professor, one of the first black people to write about sports in Boston as a columnist. Michael Holly, here's that and here's what. Oh, Dan. <laughs> oh, Dan. Uh, first of all, good to be on with you. Always great talking with you, my friend. Yeah, that's disappointing. That's disappointing to hear that. And also, Dan, I have to say it's not true. Bill Belichick won't allow players to express themselves uh, in individualistic creative black player can't express himself uh, in Foxborough. I mean, Randy Moss is still on ESPN. Ask Randy Moss about what it was like uh, playing for Bill Belichick. Ask a number of players who have opinions and who play who play joyfully and enjoy the game, but also do the job well uh, or do the job at a high level in Foxborough. If, if Bill Belichick has any problem saying, "Hey, don't do that. Don't do your Superman. Uh, don't do your Superman dance. Don't don't smile so much. Don't tremble or, or gesture on first down." That's just not. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. So when, that's crazy. So when you uh, spend all this time doing a drive time show in Boston as uh, you did. What was that experience like for you uh, coming from a region where a lot of the black athletes tell you uh, they find Boston not to be very progressive? Uh, What was that like? I did it for 13 years. And for the most part, Dan, uh, it was great. And there are times when when these topics came up that there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of resistance. And I would find that I'd be into these uh, 
uh, be into these political discussions or these cultural discussions uh, doing the show. Now, for example, I'll give you one example. And I know you, you remember this when Gordon Hayward was with the Utah Jazz and Jay Crowder was with the Celtics. And Celtics fans, you know, cheered Gordon Hayward because they wanted him to be a free agent. They wanted him to come to Boston free agent. Now, see, I, I'm there. I, I, I think I'm reasonable, Dan. I'm reasonable. I said, oh, I, I get it. Now, Boston fans look at this upgrade of Gordon Hayward. He's going to be a free agent. They're trying to be nice to him. So when he makes his decision, he'll, he'll consider Boston. I said on the air, I was like, hey, I don't think Celtics are on the air. I don't think Celtics fans really care that he's a, a great white player. Oh, man, did the phones light up then? Did the phones light up? People saying, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I do. I sure would like some all-star white players on the Celtics. I said, you know what? It's time to go to a break. I got to go to a break. I couldn't handle it. I was shocked by it. I, I tell you that, that's disappointing, right? I think where, we, where this conversation goes left too often is that we stay in the corners too much. So on one hand, you'll hear people say Boston is the most racist city in the United States. And on the other hand, you'll hear some people in Boston who will say, oh, they're just picking on us. They're trying to use isolated incident to make the city look bad. And I just feel like the conversation doesn't evolve. If we're sticking to one of those tent poles, the conversation should be out of the corner. I'm but- sorry. I'm sorry. You crapped out there a little bit. What What is it from your perspective? What is the truth from your perspective? The, the truth from the truth from my perspective is we can't talk about Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in this country. We can't talk about those murders and look at worldwide protests, Nairobi, Paris, Tel Aviv. We can't look at that, a global sickness, a global evil, which racism is. We can't say it's global and then foolishly localize it. It is not a Boston problem, but Boston does have its own issues within this this racist world structure, just as Miami does, and, and, and just as Chicago and Cleveland and Los Angeles do. And so I think it's a problem in Boston if you ignore it and you say, well, it's not happening here. And I think it's a problem nationally if you're in Miami and you say that's Boston's problem. I think both views are faulty and problematic. This is a, this is a worldwide issue. And if we're going to take a worldwide issue and say, well, this is Boston's issue, I think we've all missed the point. It is a worldwide problem, but you've lived there long enough to know that you don't get athlete quotes on a city the way that you do on that. Absolutely. And I wrote about that, too. What is it about Boston that somebody could, you know, Tory Hunter can go into Fenway Park, and I believe him. I, I, I wrote that. Everybody who has talked about Boston, I believe him. Michael Wilbon has said he's had issues in Boston. He said the first time he was called an N-word to his face was in Boston, Massachusetts. For me, it was in Akron, Ohio, but that's beside the point. Michael Wilbon, L. Duncan from ESPN, Tory Hunter, Adam Jones. So I believe all of this story. And I raise the question, what is it about Boston that allows people to go into Fenway Park and to say, what, say these vile things without fear? Is it that on our plot of land that we don't have the layers that everybody else has, that we don't have enough witnesses who say, oh, wait, wait a minute, you can't do that here. We're not going to allow that. And so there's almost like there's no layer of protection or not enough layers of protection between Boston and racism laid bare. But is there racism in Chicago where I live briefly? Yes. Have I experienced racism in, in, in your state? Yes, I have. I just think we just got to have a more of a three-dimensional look at it without ignoring the issues that do exist in Boston, 
but also connecting those issues to issues that are happening uh, around the country and around the world. Lighter subject matter, to be sure, but I've been asking for a couple of days now. uh, Is this cheating going to actually stick to the Patriots in any meaningful way, given that we all say Belichick is the best coach ever and we all say Brady's the best quarterback? Yes, it's going to stick. I mean, it's a part of, you know this, uh, being the great journalist that you are, you know, it's part of the biography. So if if you're writing the feature story or if you're writing the book, you're disingenuous if you leave that out. Yeah, but Michael, the che- think about it. for all the other cheaters, it's in the first paragraph. Yeah, well, well, well tell me who the other... Tell me uh, Lance the other Armstrong, uh, Alex Rodriguez, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Floyd Landis, uh, what, uh, uh, the, the, the Houston Astros. I, it's almost everyone but them. Yeah, but it's a part of it. Yeah, it, it's, it's everyone but... Uh, but I'm not sure, Dan. I, you, you tell me. Uh, from your, you, you got a national audience here. When people bring up the New England Patriots, are they speaking of them admiringly always? No, it's ha- it's hateful, it? but it's not excellence with an asterisk. It's not. It's just excellence. It's they're smarter than everyone else. They're better than everyone else. And yeah, they do some dirty stuff that we can't quite measure. Uh, it, it's interesting to hear that because I think that the perception in New England and that six states, you know, it's almost like six states versus 44, you know, everybody's against us, everybody hates us, everybody thinks we're cheaters, so it's just not really the, the perception in New England. Dan Lebitard, strong right there. Earlier in the show, Joe Rose Show and Brady Quinn, strong. Are we going to finish strong with the Hawk and Crowder Show? Hot Pockets were called chunk stuffers when they debuted in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, we'll see. Hold tight. This is the best of the Joe Show. Pass the road to this is the best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day, and you're listening to some better than Ezra desperately wanting. Ah. If you're from South Louisiana or you went to LSU, you might see Better Than Ezra more times in a year than your extended family. Just an institution there. Of course, everybody loves Better Than Ezra. Got to. Everybody loves Hawk and Crowder. Crowder's on vacation. Dino's in. Solana has got some interesting food takes on croqueta sandwiches. Also, to travel or to bubble, and then Hot Pockets for dinner? Joey Chestnut joined us. It was about a year or two years ago. He was, uh, and obviously, he is the greatest competitive eater in the history of the world, right? Or, or is yes. Kobayashi still in that argument? No, I don't think he is, because Kobayashi, back when he was active with Major League Eating, like was not putting anywhere near the numbers that Joey right. Chestnut is putting up. Like It's, it's right. not even the same class. He's Michael Jordan, right? Joey yes. Chestnut's the Michael Jordan of competitive eating. Yeah. And, oh, and, no and it's not... Is Kobayashi LeBron? Like, is he in the argument or is um, he not? Like, he's. I mean, I, I think he's probably even like a notch below LeBron. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's different. Like, I, he's from a different era. So maybe you can say that, like, Kobayashi is like the magic and, right. and Chestnut is the Michael, right? Because Michael, Kobayashi. Just far and away the best. Yeah. Because Kobayashi was the best before Chestnut came on. And then once Chestnut became great, he took it to a whole new level. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. But is it fair to to compare the two only because 
Kobayashi hasn't been able to uh, battle Joey Chestnut the last few years. Who's to say that Joey Chestnut wouldn't have been taken to well, task? Well, Ko Kobayashi, Kobayashi, Kobayashi could have made that happen, though. He chose not yeah. to compete in Major League Eating because he didn't want to be bound by the rules that Major League Eating constrains their competitors to. And, and Chestnut beat him at least once, I think twice, before Kobayashi left the yes. competition. Like, like, that is like Chest Chestnut dethroned him and beat him head-to-head. I think a couple of times before Kobayashi left the circuit. Well, Joey Chestnut, on our uh, little travel into the archives in the 4 o'clock hour today, he joined us, uh, obviously talk a little bit about hot dogs. He won the competition this weekend. Uh, but he was coming to Miami to participate in a croqueta eating championship. And uh, and he had never eaten a croqueta before. Do you like those, Dono? Oh, my God, so much. I love croquetas. Yeah. And you like those I, I developed that taste as a grown-up. Like, when, when I was a little kid, I, I, I was disappointed that they weren't mozzarella sticks. But then when I was like... <laughs> <laughs> when I was 18, 19, I kind of rediscovered croquetas, and I love them. Solana, you like them? Do I like croquetas? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Did you tell it. me once that you have them in a sandwich or something? Yeah. I mean, that's the proper way to eat a what, – what, what you can get is a sandwich de croqueta or a croqueta sandwich, and um, you can have them prepared for you, right? Like, they come prepared already, but I – like to get a tostada, you order the tostada, and then you order the croquetas, and you make your own croqueta oh, really? sandwich, right? So do you mash it, though? Do you mash it in between, let's say, the tostada yeah. or the bread or whatever? Like, do you ma do you mash the croqueta? Yeah, yeah. So uh, interesting. If, if you order this at a restaurant, it's often called a croqueta preparada, and it's basically a sandwich made of croquetas. But, you know, they'll throw the mayo on there, maybe some pickle, maybe some cheese, and it could be good, but it's too much. I just like the tostada with some butter, you put two or three croquetas in between it, you mash it down, and then you go to town. Although, like, I, I hope the croqueta sandwich you're making is a lot better than that turkey burger. Do you have to pull the toaster out of your uh, cabinet in order to make that sandwich, or you just have it on the bread? Well, no. The best way to, to make tostada is in the, the actual oven. Not in the, if you're making tostada in the toaster oven, you're doing it wrong. All right, fair enough. Let's get to headlines here with the croqueta sandwich eating Alejandro Solana. <laughs> the Miami Marlins, they're going to begin their 60-game schedule in Philadelphia, Citizens Bank Park, a three-game series beginning July 24th versus the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, their 60-game schedule is regionally based. So the Fish are only going to play NL East teams and NAL East ah, teams. Ah, there's the pit bull alarm. <laughs> there's two sounds that love on the show. It's your uh, Dono's Don Draper phone, <laughs> and it's uh, Solana's alarm to remind him to play Pitbull at 3.05. Wizards guards Bradley Beal, he's not going to play in the NBA's restart, and neither is Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie. Both of them have opted out. Dinwiddie actually tested positive once again for COVID-19. Bradley Beal, he's kind of uh, shouldering a right rotator cuff injury. I didn't. Uh, I didn't say this when you were talking about the baseball schedule, though. But they're traveling, huh? From ballpark to ballpark, the baseball yeah. teams. Yes. They're traveling no from bubble. ballpark to ballpark. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder which is the better way. I, I, the bubble's got to be the better way, right? I mean, if you're if you're thinking I, about I health know. and safety, I mean, the the traveling thing. Yeah, it's just better for the players because they get to see their families and stuff. But uh, I mean, I, but I mean, how how can you argue the traveling is better when in the well, bubble? Well, because you're traveling, you're traveling privately, right? Mm -hmm. You're traveling privately, and then if you if you follow standard protocol for what that we're all following, right? Stay in your hotel room, and you know, I mean, you can get it anywhere, obviously. Yeah. Um, but if you like, it, it, in other words, instead of bringing 
several hundred or several thousand people together to live under the same bubble for so long, might it actually be better to just fly them in, fly them out real quick? Oh, I mean, we'll find out, obviously. Yeah. But with Major League Baseball's case, it won't be fly in, fly out real quick, right? Like these guys are going to be playing series in no, understood, understood. in their respective cities. And then uh, you have to rely on these players to stay in their hotels, not go out, not um, uh, fraternize with uh, the public. So, I mean, I, the, the risks are there. But, I mean, you're assuming that the same thing in, in Disney World. Right, but I mean, they can they still go out. Like they're they're closely monitored, they aren't they? Well, they they're they're putting Paul Blart there, and and so when uh, Rondo wants to go out, uh, Paul Blart can tell him get back to your room. Like, I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? It's still based on everyone's cooperation. That's why the Dallas MLS team got sent home, right? Donald, weren't you telling us that before the show that they yeah. weren't following the guidelines? Well, I, I think that's kind of the assumption. Um, well, because like, and I don't know if it was actually. I, I don't think it was them not following the guidelines in the bubble, but before they got to the bubble. So basically, because uh, when the story first came out yesterday, it looked as though FC Dallas, they made their own decision to pull out and leave. But it, it that's not how it went. They were actually forced out. Uh, they were forced to withdraw from the tournament because I think the other teams were like upset that, hey, you know, even before we got into the bubble, we were following the rules and keeping ourselves healthy. And these guys went out and got infected. And now because they're here, they have to reschedule their games to later so they can recover. So I think the other teams just got fed up and they decided to force them to withdraw. But no, I, I don't think that it was a matter of them not following following the rules once they got into the bubble because once they got there they were quarantined pretty much immediately gotcha, that team gotcha. so I I, th I think the other teams were upset that they weren't following the rules or the guidelines before they got even into the bubble I'm, I like it my way better that they were my just way or the highway yeah that the Dallas team was a bunch of jackasses and now they gotta pay the price <laughs> they were all at Disney Springs living it up at the polite pig yeah I've eaten there it's a great spot yeah very good uh, the MLS by the way since we're talking about Don Garber, uh, has postponed the second game in their MLS's back tournament. So uh, we knew about DC United and FC Toronto. Now Nashville SC's game against the Chicago Fire, that has been postponed until later, undisclosed date. It was supposed to be tomorrow after Inter-Miami and Orlando. Why? Oh, and Nashville has five guys right. who tested positive on their team. Well, this is going swimmingly. Yep. Today, the 20th. We're going to play the first half of the game on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Second half of the game will be Saturday, 2 a.m. Uh, don't ask us why. It sounds to me like this might end up being just winner take all. Inter Miami versus Orlando City, first game. Whoever wins that wins the tournament. I don't think anyone Major else League, is participating. Major League Baseball, it's going to be five games for the season. All right, whoever, whoever gets to five wins first is the World Series champion. Everybody go home. Today, the 2026 World Cup venue selection process continues. Miami is one of 17 cities in the United States in the running. Oh, we've got to be in the lead now, huh? I mean, yeah. honestly, like, what, like, 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 who the hell would want to go? Who would want to bring a whole bunch of people here? I mean, 2026, Hawk, it's six years away. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, based on the way that we're going, are we going to be here in 2026? <laughs> Two of the top defensive tackles in the 2021 recruiting cycle are considering UM. Maasan Smith. He's rated by rivals as the nation's number one defensive tackle. Let's go. Number six overall prospect in 2021. He announced UM is one of his eight finalists. And then Miami Palmetto High defensive end Leonard Taylor. 
He's rated by 247 Sports as the nation's top class of 2021 defensive tackle prospect. He uh, announced yesterday UM is one of his two finalists. UF, Crowder's not here, so we can't rip on UF. UF is the other. <laughs> Isn't uh, I, I always get this one of my pet peeves. A lot of people say 247 Sports. Isn't it 24-7 Sports? Yeah, I, I, I've asked somebody who works for them. And I mean, that's the whole idea, yeah. right? That 24-7, right. that it's just nonstop sports. Like, yes. To call it 247 Sports, yeah, I don't, I don't understand understand why people do that well, and, and, and really the, the uh, only people i've ever heard do it i think are big o and solana <laughs> and in fact i think i got i think solana got it from big o uh, well <laughs> that, that makes no sense because if it was 24 7 sports there would be that little dash dividing 24 and the number seven it's why we don't say 35 when celebrating 305 because we're you know, celebrating but, 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 305 which is why yeah, we but, say but that's a website but that's a website url so you can't right. put a slash in there like you can't like you can't yeah. put a slash right in the middle of the web address Trust me, that's it's why it's 24 7 it sports. is and, and on those names that solana was saying by the way uh, i think that for uh for leonard taylor i think there's a decent shot but for that guy smith who's got eight finalists I, i've been told there's like very slim chance he comes to Miami. So just just keep that in mind. He's probably going to LSU. Oh, we didn't want him anyway. No. He doesn't want to be here. We don't want him. But he might want to be here. So we, we love you, Smith. Ma- I don't <laughs> right. know if it's I don't know if right. it's pronounced Mason or, or Mayasan. Like so I, I think it's pronounced Mason Solana, but he like there, there is an extra A in there, so he was very confused by yeah, that. Yeah, it's written M A A S O N. Oh, I like A A Ron? Right. I just assumed it was Mayason Smith. No, I think it's Mason. Okay, we'll agree to disagree there. NFLPA <laughs> President J.C. Treder called for the league to improve its coronavirus protocols. He says, quote, the NFL is unwilling to prioritize player safety and believes that the virus will bend to football. Finally, guys, Hot Pockets were called chunk stuffers when they debuted in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. All right. I didn't, I didn't know they were around that long. I thought, I thought Hot I, Pockets I were like 1990. I didn't know they were yeah, around that long. I, don't, I didn't think so either. I mean, Hot Pockets... Very, uh, very solid dinner. Might have that tonight also. Weather dinner? report. Yeah, you can eat <laughs> Is hot that like an after dinner. school snack. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean after school snack, early dinner. I mean it, it, it just really depends on on what dinner? time you go to bed. Yeah, I want you to put out some nice uh, plates and then serve your girl <laughs> hot pockets tonight, please, and some Kool Aid. Okay. You got it. You've uh, you've posted at times having dinner, and you you know you're just eating a bowl of cereal. You're eating maybe some some pancakes. Why can't I, am I have a, a hot pocket eater. for dinner? I, I'm a weird. I, just to say it's a nice dinner, though. Again, I'm not taking issue with the fact that you could eat it for dinner because I've had beef jerky for dinner. But I just say that oh, that like it would be like me looking at a bag of beef jerky and go, oh, this will make a nice dinner. It's just sometimes you're forced to eat it for dinner, but it doesn't make it a nice dinner. So. Were you just taking issue with me calling my turkey burger fire? Had I not said it was fire, everything would have been okay. Yeah, it wasn't a fire dinner. It wasn't. It, it, there was nothing. There was nothing to crow about. Yeah, on like, that like dinner. That, that sort of photo, the caption should have been, "My life is so sad. This is what I'm eating for dinner." <laughs> That's right. the type of caption exactly you needed there. Exactly, like, oh, woe is me. The toaster's broken. Yeah. Look what I was forced to eat tonight. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe all my buns were moldy. Well, I guess this will do. But you yes. wrote fire dinner. Like, went out of your way to snap it to me. That's subjective, let's be honest. Car accident. It's totally subjective. I'll tell you this. I don't think Hot Pockets are even a fire snack, but we don't have time to get into that. I got to get out. I'll be back tomorrow. Download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, wqam.com, radio.com app. I am Dan Day. Have a great one. This is the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.